Pastor, and good evening, everybody. Merry Christmas to all of you. I have to add a little bit to what he uh, just said. First of all, it was mostly Marie praying for all the the uh, snow. So uh, if you're going to throw snowballs tonight or anything, uh, now you can throw them at me because I was praying for snow. And it looks like uh, the Lord answered our prayer. Now, we went out to Heritage uh, in 1988, and uh, Marie was Pastor Edward's secretary and the pianist of the church, and uh, uh, I taught in the school, and we did uh, a lot of things in the bus ministry, in the church music, in the school uh, music, and uh, junior teens and senior teens. But I like to say it like this. Uh, Pastor Edwards had a, a pastoral staff, and whatever he didn't want to do, he asked them to do. And whatever they didn't want to do, they asked me to do. So I kind of, some people probably can relate to that. Uh, I was low, uh, low man on the totem pole, but really blessed to serve the Lord there. We would have been there serving the Lord today, I think, very happily, if it were not for all those missionaries that came through month after month, preaching, showing slides, preaching God's word. And uh, uh, so many times Marie and I said, I, I, I want to stay here, but I also want to go help. And I think we kind of volunteered one too many times and the Lord uh, led us to Australia very clearly. But we're, we're thankful for being there. And uh, just before I, uh, you can turn to Luke chapter two, please. Luke chapter two. But uh, I just wonder if you saw anybody you know in the video presentation. Uh, those pictures go kind of fast, but there's several people that you should know there. Uh, Nancy Simpson was in a couple of uh, the pictures and a few others from... Uh, uh, I, I don't ever want to say that I have old friends. I have long-time friends. Amen? <clears throat> but uh, there were a lot of things, a lot of people that you might uh, know in those... Uh, pictures in those videos. Now, look, sorry, I don't have an Aussie accent. Uh, I can just say a few Aussie words, you know, good day, and you'll be, you know, she'll be right, and you're right, and uh, no worries, and all of that. But wasn't it good to hear the Aussie accent uh, at the end of the video there? Uh, our good friends uh, from Lighthouse Bible Baptist Church. Let me say this too. Uh, it's every time I watch the the video presentation, I'm just uh, just filled with gratitude to God for all that He's done, and, and I mean this very seriously. And and I actually think it it could it, it would help you to know this uh, to see God work in us, around us, through us. And the most important part is in spite of us. And uh, he wants to use all of us for his honor and glory, to reach a lost world, to, to, to uh, add something to his church. And what an honor it is to be back at Fairhaven tonight. I hope that we can be just a little bit of the blessing that you've already been to us. But here we are now. Uh, it's, it's Christmas, uh, my favorite time of year. Uh, but I love preaching on missions, and uh, it's nice to know that Christmas church and missions are related. <clears throat> but what do I do? And, you know, it's a few days before Christmas, and I'm a guest missionary uh, at Fairhaven Baptist Church. I, I, I guess what I'll do is uh, 
preach on Christmas and missions, and we'll put a little bit about uh, how important the church is uh, to to the Lord. But before we do that, uh, I, I was thinking about it before the service. Why is Christmas one of my favorite? No, it's not one of my favorite times of year, of the year. Uh, Sunday is my favorite day of the year, all the time, all the time. Uh, I look forward to Sunday. It's the first day of the week, but but it, it, it so it starts the week. But I'm kind of gearing every day up to Sunday, and it's it's just a it's an exciting time. Uh, Christmas is the same way, and I think sometimes it's that way for obvious reasons. Christ came, you know. God with us, the name Emmanuel. But then I think there's subtle reasons, too, that uh, we may not fully realize. It is an easier time for us to witness uh, in Australia. Uh, it's an easier time to hand out uh, tracts, although it's also a time when people are busy and they want to kind of push Christ out of Christmas. Uh, they want to make it Xmas, or they want to make it, uh, in Australia, they call it Chrissy. Chrissy, I, I, I kind of hate, if, if your name is Chrissy, sorry, uh, but I, at, at Christmas time, I hate how they replace Christmas with Chrissy. But uh, I want to do, a, I want to preach a little bit tonight on Christmas and missions. Now, Mary obeyed when God spoke to her uh, regarding the birth of Christ that first Christmas. Uh, we see her obeying and submitting to the will of God. Joseph obeyed when God spoke to him regarding how to treat Mary and uh, regarding other things to do that first Christmas. Uh, the shepherds uh, spread the good news in verses 15 through 17. It came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste. I like that, uh, with haste. They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. Uh, don't you love it when God's word is easily applicable to our lives? Christmas, we know the truth. Uh, let's go tell others about it. Anna and uh, Simeon saw the Christ child and worshipped him and, and spread the news in, in Matthew 2.11. Uh, they were on a mission in verse 38. And she, coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption. In Jerusalem, uh, we need to uh, be reminded and take a, a lesson from them and follow their example. Uh, in Matthew chapter 1, verses 24 and 25, take a look there with me just for a moment. Matthew 1, 24. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. We see an obvious emphasis on family and on purity at this first Christmas. It's a good thing to be reminded about uh, this Christmas some 2,000 years later. In Luke uh, 1, Luke 1, and... Uh, I've got verse 34 here. 
34 through 38. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also, that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Uh, I might have, might have missed a phrase or a line, but uh, behold, the uh, angel continues, thy cousin Elizabeth. She hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. What a a great reminder we need in our churches, in our personal lives, in our homes, maybe at the workplace. With God, nothing shall be impossible. But then Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Uh, obedience uh, is all throughout the Christmas uh, account. Uh, obedience, family, purity, uh, evangelism. And then uh, to most of the major characters in the Christmas accounts, to most of them, the, they, they hear something from God. And then God or God's angel uh, says to them, fear not. And I would just remind you that when God speaks to you, When he tells you to clean something up, stop something, uh, when uh, he tells you to do something more or to change something, or maybe it's something that's huge. When God speaks to you, when when the king of glory, uh, the, the Lord of creation, the God of the universe, when he stoops down to our level to speak to us. Number one, let's be humbled and and let's see that as the awesome thing that it is. But let's not be frightened by what he's revealed to us. Let's just obey. Fear not is repeated over and over in the Christmas accounts. And then 30 years later, the disciples heard and they obeyed the great commission of Christ. Many were baptized and added to the church there at Jerusalem. The church grew rapidly and became the sending church of missionary endeavors. Now, I I feel kind of awkward uh, speaking at the church that runs the Bible college where I grew in the Lord and was taught in the Lord. Uh, I'm probably not teaching you anything new, but uh, reminding you of a few things. The uh, In the book of Acts, the church soon became churches, plural. Decades later, Pastor John commended uh, the elder Gaius uh, for bringing evangelists forward on their journey in 3 John verses 5 through 8. We'll look at that at the end of the message, Lord willing. Christians continued in Christ's command to, to go into all the world, to preach the gospel, to teach all things whatsoever uh, I have commanded you, he said. Uh, and uh, churches... Uh, were planted all over the globe as uh, as Christians obeyed the Lord's command going down through the ages. I like the idea that uh, uh, several times in the scriptures we see the church uh, churches going around the, the globe uh, geographically, but coming down chronologically through the ages to us right now. And the Great Commission is just as pertinent Today, as it was 2,000 years ago. Every church, true to Christ's teachings, is just as important 
today as First Baptist Church of Jerusalem was uh, founded in about 30 A.D. Now we jump forward to 1792. William Carey challenged England to obey their responsibility to take the Great Commission and take the gospel to unreached lands. A missionary society was formed that appointed William Carey, John Thomas, and some others to go to India. The next year at a farewell meeting, four leaders of the society, uh, I don't know why they called it a mission society, it'd be like a mission board, I guess. Uh, Maybe there was a sending church involved there and some supporting churches. But uh, they met with Carey and some others, and Andrew Fuller, one of those four men, he later described the mission to India. He described it as a few men going into a deep and unexplored mine to reach and win the lost. He further stated that it was as if Carey had said, I will go down if you will hold the ropes. And that's why I've got these ropes here tonight. I'll pick them up a couple times and we'll get an idea of what it means to hold the ropes. But uh, William Carey said, I will go down if you will hold the ropes. It was a good analogy back then and it still is today. Many a missionary has repeated the phrase or, or something like it, talking about holding the ropes. The churches, the individuals, the people that are supporting missionaries and praying for missionaries. We'll talk about what holding the ropes might entail. But that feeling that you're going down into a mine or someplace dark and dangerous and you want your hands to be free to to hand out some oxygen or some water or some medicine or to take care of things and to know that someone is in a secure place holding on to you. They've got your back and you're able to, to do something. You're an extension of them, but you're freed to do things because they've got a hold of you. And if you feel a little tug on the ropes, it's just a reminder that someone's there behind you. Someone's uh, making you more able to do something important. Every church ought to recognize their great responsibility to hold the ropes of missionaries. Tonight, I want to say thank you to Fairhaven for holding lots of ropes to lots of missionaries. I want to encourage you to keep doing so for the cause of Christ and for the glory of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would speak to us through your word in these next moments. Help us to see this idea of holding the ropes. Help us to see how churches ought to be emphasized. Planting churches, strengthening churches. Lord, help us to see how it relates to the very fact that you did come. That uh, that Bethlehem evening, that Bethlehem time period 2,000 years ago. You came to save your people from their sins. Lord, help us to realize that's what missions is all about and church planting and evangelism. Lord, help us to to see uh, your plan. 
for our church, for our churches, for our lives. Help us to say amen to it uh, and be more in love with you and your plan and more obedient to your plan for our lives this Christmas and from henceforth than we ever have been before. Lord, we pray if there's someone who's listening who's not saved, we pray that they would this evening, maybe this moment, they would trust in your death, your burial, and your resurrection for their sin, for their salvation from sin and hell. They'd receive you as Savior. Lord, we pray all these things for for your honor and your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I want to look at uh, four things about these ropes uh, this evening. I want to look at the length of the ropes, the strength of the ropes, the intent of the ropes, and the content of the ropes. Uh, Look at Proverbs 25, 25, if you would. Proverbs 25, 25. I want to remind you that uh, mines and pits, just like uh, that one alluded to some 230 years ago by Andrew Fuller. He said it was as if these missionaries, William Carey and others, were going down into a deep mine. Uh, these mines and pits are all around us locally, locally and globally. Uh, every mission field is, is just like uh, India that they were thinking about and alluding to. Uh, at that time, but but even all around us today, there are mines and pits. The Bible tells us in Acts one eight that we've got a Jerusalem to reach, a Judea, a Samaria, and an uttermost part of the earth to reach, and and we do that when the it started two thousand years ago when the Holy Spirit came upon believers, and and I believe if we're led by the Holy Spirit today, we too would be interested in in souls. I I can uh, I don't know how it wasn't many 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 years ago, probably uh, six or eight years ago or so. I was looking through 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and I saw that verse about uh, being a new creature in Christ. I love the verse. But I noticed five times in the next few verses the ministry of reconciliation. The idea of reconciliation uh, is given to every person who is a new creature in Christ. And you may not be a great soul winner. You may not have all the verses memorized and have all the illustrations. Uh, I don't. And and I, I'm getting a little bit of a rabbit trail here. But uh, I, I go out. I'm supposed to be the soul winner. I, I get paid to be the evangelist, the soul winner. And I knock on doors and people say, get out of here, you yank, blankety blank. And I say to the person that I'm trying to train or teach, I say, okay, that was my door. You, you knock on the next one. And, you know, they don't run around. They don't turn around and run away. They, they gulp. Okay, brother Hall. And they knock on a door and it's like the door opens and someone says, what must I do to be saved? And I think, what's going on here? So I just decide I should quit, right? Stop being a missionary. Of course not. Just keep praying. Keep handing out tracts, keep knocking on doors, keep getting ready to be abused and rejected. But every now and then, the Holy Spirit is at work and someone gets saved. But look, Proverbs 25, 25, there we read, As cold water to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. And you can look at that 
as uh, good news from the, the sending church, from the supporting church to wherever the missionary is. Or you could look at it as every one of us as good news from the throne room of heaven, a far country, from a, uh, from a king who's coming back. And we, uh, we give that message, or we ought to be giving that message to everybody. I love how it says as cold waters to a thirsty soul. It immediately takes us from the physical into the spiritual. And we need to look at the, the spiritual responsibility that we have. Uh, the length of the ropes is, is what I'm looking at right here. The length of the ropes, uh, uh, it doesn't matter whether we're talking about a missionary in the next town over starting a new church or a missionary on the other side of the world. We can hold the ropes for a missionary or church planter uh, uh, wherever they are. It doesn't matter how far away. But just as a person can be dehydrated from physical water and not know it and be sick and be weak and, and uh, people, of course, can, can die without water. There are people all around us who are spiritually dehydrated. They're not aware of their need for the gospel, for the Lord Jesus Christ, even though he came to seek and to save them. Now, some people are aware that uh, they, they, they're missing something. They're looking for something, but they're looking in all the wrong places or they need someone to show them. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So whether it's in Australia or whether it's in Portage or right here in Chesterton, let's uh, let's give good news from a, a far country uh, to people around us who are thirsting, and let's do it. Uh, uh, let's take advantage of the opportunity that that comes to us at Christmas time. The length of the ropes. It doesn't matter how far away uh, a missionary is uh, when you're holding those ropes. The strength of the ropes. Let's look at a few things that make the ropes so strong. The first thing that comes to my mind is Romans 1.16, the power of the gospel. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. There is no one that you and I know. There is no one that we know who is beyond the saving power of the gospel. And I'm telling, I'm confessing here, I'm the missionary and sometimes I see somebody and I say, they're not going to listen. Why tell them I don't want to be rejected again? I don't want to be called a yank. I am a Florida boy. Not, not even Jacksonville or, or I, I was born in Miami, Florida, about as far south as you can go. And Australians call me Yank. When they really want to be mean, they call me Yankee. There's no one that is too far, uh, too, too, there's no one that's unsavable. No one that can't be reached by the power of the gospel. And, and I might say, I don't want to be turned away again or rejected, but some, look, sometimes, uh, just, uh, like Israel marching around the walls of Jericho, 
you know, over and over and over again, day after day. The end of the week, we have to do it over and over again on the same day. And the walls fell. Being dipped in the Jordan River. Why would I want to be dipped there? And, and I get dipped once and I'm not clean. Ah, why do I have to do this? But we know after dipping and dipping and dipping, a miracle of cleansing took place. Let's, let's keep handing out tracts. Let's keep giving the gospel. It's the power of God under salvation. The strength of the ropes is in compassion that makes a difference, Jude 22. And of some have compassion, making a difference. If there's someone that God has put on your heart and your heart is just stirred for them, you love that person, you're moved with compassion, pray for them. Give them a track. Invite them to church. Tell them how you got saved. Did you ever think about that? Nobody gets saved different ways. We all get saved the same way. You tell someone how you got saved and they could say, I'm going to do that. And they can be saved. You don't even have to memorize a verse. But I encourage you to memorize some verses and and have some verses with you all the time. Don't raise your hand, but how how many times have you had an opportunity to hand out a track and you reach in and it's not there? I, I, I have them at church even. No one at church needs it. Yeah, but every time I say, I'm going to leave them here on the shelf or whatever, I'm not going to need them in these next uh, little bits of time, these next few minutes or this next hour, and then I need it and I don't have it. Have compassion. It makes a difference. Telling people about the gospel. The strength of the ropes might be in love one to another. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. If you have love one to another. That's John 13, 35. Hey, tell the people that you love that you love them. Show it to them more than just saying it, but don't be afraid to say it. Say it and show it. And when you hold the ropes for your missionaries, I am telling you, and I'll tell you what, I'll tell you some things that uh, holding the ropes stands for. But when you're holding the ropes for missionaries, it says very clearly, we love you. And it means a lot. And people can see that. And Jesus told us that people see that, and that's a way that they can know that we are his disciples. We want to do the same thing in Australia. We send out missionaries from Australia to other parts of the world. I wonder if any Australian would ever possibly come to America to start a church and be a missionary. Is there anyone, is there anyone here who would say, no, we don't need it? Well, the whole world is, uh, is already in that deep, dark mine and in need of being rescued. Amen? Even America. Hey, let me say this. We love being back in America. Uh, the, the crown has fallen. America is not what she once was. But there are pockets and vestiges of Christianity and blessing all over the place. You won't see them on the mission field. Thank God for what you have here. And, and let me say this to... Uh, and I don't mean to be negative, but America really deserves judgment. We deserve judgment. And we need to be ready for judgment and, and pray that God would avert his judgment uh, and hold back his judgment. Uh, but we need to seek to, to see people saved in the, the short time, I believe, the short time that's left. 
The strength of the ropes is in the power of the gospel. Compassion that makes a difference in reaching the lost and, and love one to another and loving your missionaries. The strength of the ropes is in faithfulness. You want missionaries who will go, who will knock on doors, who will preach, who, who will be soul winners, evangelists, who will teach the Bible and preach uh, and be witnesses. And the strength of the ropes is in faithfulness in those holding the ropes too. The strength of the ropes is in God's power. We could give verses all over the Bible that teach us about God's power. Zechariah 4, 6. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Behold, Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 59, uh, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. In Mark 10, Jesus uh, said, with man it is impossible. He was talking about a rich person getting saved, people getting saved. Uh, he was talking about the, the uh, uh, camel going, going through the eye of a needle. And one of the disciples said, well, who can be saved then? And Jesus said, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. I hope the Holy Spirit is putting some name or some person or some face on your mind and in your heart right now. They can be saved. Throw them a rope. Hold the ropes for those missionaries that you're supporting. The strength of the ropes is in God's plan. Peter uh, said to Jesus said to Peter, forget about what Peter said. Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Uh, God's plan is for the local church. That's why we need more churches. That's why we need strong churches. That's why uh, we can and should emphasize the church. That's why Zoom is a great blessing. And uh, live streaming is a great blessing. But it shouldn't replace church. Look at Ephesians 3 with me, please. Ephesians 3. Why emphasize churches? Why send out more missionaries and more churches or, or, or strengthening the churches that are there? Because churches show God's great wisdom to all of his creation. Look at Ephesians 3.10. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Now, I, I know there are people in this room who are pretty intelligent. They've got their their doctorates and so forth, their masters. And I just taught a little bit of grammar through the through the ages. I was going to say, wow, uh, that's an exaggeration. I've taught a little bit of grammar for a long time. And when you look at this verse, it's talking about. Uh, Angelic beings, authorities, principalities and powers that are in heavenly places. And that the wisdom of God might be known to them by the church. Something about God's church teaches beings out there about how wise our great God is. That's what the verse tells us. And then down at the end of the chapter... Churches are a show place for God's glory because it, the church shows God's wisdom to his creation. Because churches show God's glory, we need to emphasize churches, this church and other churches. 
Uh, verse 20 of Ephesians 3. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory. Where? In the church. By Christ Jesus throughout age, throughout all ages. World without end. And then it says amen. I love it when God's word tells us to say amen. Amen. Um, then the strength of the ropes is in our unity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9 we read, For we are laborers together. The field is the world. We're each serving in different churches that are different sections of the master's vineyard. Philippians 2 tells us we ought to be of the same mind. In Acts, four times we read that the disciples were of one accord. Each church, every church that holds true to the word of God, that is seeking to glorify him, that's preaching the gospel, that's teaching all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Every church is important that's doing that. Uh, Foreign missionary churches are no less or no more important than Fairhaven Baptist Church right here. And uh, and every person here ought to be doing what you expect missionaries to be doing out there. And we'll look at that just a little bit more as we conclude message. The strength of the ropes is unity. The strength of the ropes is also God with us. First Corinthians 3, 9 says, for we are laborers together with God. That deserves an amen. And I don't mean from you, I just mean in our hearts. We're laborers together with God. Jesus came and spoke unto them in his great commission. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. So he's got all power. He says, go ye therefore, teach, baptize. Then he says, teach again all things. And then he closes by saying, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And then we read an amen. God with us. Isn't that, uh, doesn't that remind us of Christmas? The name Emmanuel. God with us. Hey, that's uh, the, the length of the ropes and the strength of the ropes. The intent of the ropes. It's to allow one person or group to assist or enable or support another person or group. That's leaving a more secure home. Moving toward a needy area or entering a more dangerous area. In Carrie's context and ours today in missionary endeavors, the ropes uh, that, that we're talking about holding, uh, they're those support and help mechanisms that assist or allow missionaries to reach the lost. The intent of the ropes is to reach the lost, to see sinners saved, to plant churches, to strengthen churches, to glorify the Lord. What's the content of the ropes? What's the content of the ropes? The ropes might include financial support. That's one of the first things that would come to someone's mind usually. But let me encourage you about finances, about giving to the Lord. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul said, This they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. So if, if you want to know what the Bible says, one of the things the Bible says about giving is first give yourself. To the Lord. Giving some money isn't enough. Give yourselves to the Lord. And when a person has given themselves to the Lord, when they've considered what he's done for them, then giving money or giving time, it's not, it's not an issue anymore. 
Then let me let me remind you of what Malachi tells us. Malachi tells us in three ten, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now, I know that's talking about the tithe, but think of what might happen when you give to missions. After your tithe, uh, you give an offering, you give to missions. Wouldn't you like to see the windows of heaven opened by God? And then the next verse, God says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. I don't know what the devourer is here exactly. A locust swarm, a hot wind, a drought. But it's anything for us that would destroy our productivity. Anything that that uh, takes away from us, that nibbles at our finances, that bites out of our time. Uh, it could be uh, electric prices. It could be gas prices. God says, give and I will rebuke the devourer. Then in Luke 6.38, talking about giving still. Jesus said, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over. We know the verse teaches that if we give, God gives back to us. And we know the verse teaches that if we give, God gives more. Amen. That's enough right there. We ought to get in on it. But but then it, notice that it says, shall men give into your bosom? People give when we give. God uses people to give back to us. It's a great cycle and you can get in on it and enjoy it on either side. You can be the one who gives first and then God touches someone to give more to you. Or you can be the one who is used to give more to someone else by God because they gave. Either way, it's a blessing. I used to say that I want to be an optimist and not a pessimist, but I've changed You say, what, you want to be a pessimist? No, I found that there's something better than both. The pessimist says the glass is half empty. The optimist says the glass is half full, right? The psalmist says something better. Say, what's the psalmist say? The psalmist says, my cup runneth over. And when we look around, uh, when we look at our lives and our families, our homes, our situation, our country, God has certainly blessed us. Our cup runneth over and we need to be involved in giving. The ropes might include technical assistance, people that know how to push buttons, people that know how to put DVDs, uh, videos together and, and, and do the work up there in that booth and, and push cords in and people that know how to remember passwords. <sighs> you can be a blessing with technical assistance. You can hold the ropes by technically assisting a missionary. The ropes might include someone visiting the field. The ropes might include someone visiting the field and deciding to stay, <laughs> joining the missionary. The ropes might include correspondence, care packages, calls on the phones, uh, uh, birthday cards, anniversary cards. The ropes might include furlough hospitality. Hey, we'll close with this. Look at look at Third John, please. Boy, we walked into a... Uh, the room that we're staying in here at at uh, Fairhaven. And my wife said, we've been here before, I think. And I think I confessed to her, I don't remember this room. But I, I say that about a lot of things these days. Um, what a beautiful room it is, though. Beautiful look out over the lake and woodpeckers out there and blue jays. And 
It's great. But uh, look at uh, at Third John verse five. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort. Thou shalt do well. Now, the only thing that really challenges me about these verses is how in the world do you bring someone forward on their journey after a godly sort? That means you got to do something like miraculous or something. But but just loving them, financing them, encouraging them, meeting them, you know, all the hospitality things that are taught in the scriptures. John is saying to Gaius, if you do this to these traveling strangers, these brethren... That have borne witness of thy charity before church. If you do this, you're doing well. Then he says about them, because that for his name's sake they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. This tells us that they're evangelists or, or missionaries or witnesses that are traveling. And then John says, we therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. You hold the ropes for them and your fellow helpers to the truth. This is a big pulpit. Amen for that. It's hard to reach these ropes. My knees are creaking and my all of that. But uh, you get the idea about these ropes, I hope. Hey, another thing that uh, that the ropes might include is example. When a missionary comes and visits Fairhaven, let them see here everything you want them to be doing. Let them see it being done here. Evangelism, uh, pastoral support, uh, respecting elders, uh, faithfulness in the church ministries, faithfulness to the Lord personally at home, in the family, in your walk with the Lord, uh, uh, training and discipling believers. And then prayer is, is the most important rope we could possibly hold for a missionary serving the Lord uh, on the foreign field or on a local church plant. William Carey went to India, and the rest is kind of history. God used him to become the father of modern missions. That's his nickname. But it wasn't Carey, from what I've seen, it wasn't Carey who made that, that quote that we've been talking about. It was Andrew Fuller, his friend, who said it was as if Carey were going down into a deep mine. But Fuller also stated that they... In the mission society, were committed to stand by Carey to the death. Fuller and others promised to stand by their missionaries to the death. What an example on both sides. It was as if William Carey said, I will go down if you will hold the ropes. You want missionaries who are like that. And then Andrew Fuller said, we were committed to holding the ropes to the death. Missionaries need to know that churches, they know they've got the Lord. They know that they've got all this power of God and the gospel and a a God who can save everyone, but it's such a blessing, such a need for them to feel the ropes being held by churches that are supporting them, that, that love them. All throughout the year, especially at Christmas time, we see why Christ came. Holding the ropes helps us to be fellow helpers to the truth. It helps us to be laborers together with God. It also helps us to to reap fruit that may abound to our account. Paul said, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Fairhaven Baptist Church, keep Holding 
the ropes. Let's pray.